Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Um, I want to give a couple shout-outs to people who have books out right now that our book review staff has highly recommended. Um, I want to make a mention of Barb Warner-Dean and of... um, let me think now. Joe Badal, Shannon Kirk, who's my guest, uh, Sheila Lowe, Glenda Burgess, John Rhodes, Joshua Harris. Joe Clifford has a book coming out in December. Jeffrey Hess's book came out in May, but I promise you it's amazing. And new for this month and November will be Connie DeMarco and TK Thomas. In the meantime, my lovely friend Shannon Kirk is here. In case you don't know about her, she's a practicing attorney and a former law professor in Massachusetts, where she lives with her husband, who's a physicist, and a marathoner. How cool is that? And a son and a cat li- who is a cat-loving basketball player. Um, I think that's really cool, too. So Shannon came on to the scene when she wrote a book called Method 15-33. If you haven't heard about this book, I urge you to go right now and buy it from Amazon. It is amazing. She came out with another book called In the Vines, and now her new book, Gretchen, which is a psychological horror fiction. It's out now, and Shannon's here. Hi. How are you, my friend? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm thrilled. We've been talking about this every time we see each other and you know, and then you go on someone else's show, <coughs> Haunted Nights Live. And um <laughs> and I thought, no, 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 no. She has to come to mind too. Because we've been talking about it ever since like two voucher cons ago or thriller fests ago or something, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you're my so, favorite. Don't tell the others. <laughs> okay, I won't say a word. No one will know because it's just you and me and those 40 other countries that we're broadcasting to. <laughs> so so listen, so here's my question. Here you are in, you know, snooty Massachusetts. I can say that because my mom and dad were from there. And you're you're a lawyer and, you know, and you're doing this really great stuff with your law practice and your husband's like a big brain and your kid's a tall kid who likes animals. So I like him already, especially cats. Where in the world did method 1533 come from? Uh, well, uh, I, okay. So I was reading, I was working on a completely different book. That's not a thriller at the time. And for some reason in the middle of writing that I read uh, the Sociopath Next Door by, um, I'm sorry, I, it will come to me. I, I know exactly who the author is. But it it's this, you know, nonfiction about real-life sociopaths uh, mm-hmm. who live next door to you or your boss or your CEO, et cetera. And it went through the whole science about sociopaths. And I thought I really want to do a story about a psychopath, sociopath, Etc. But I wanted it to be different, uh, and so I kept asking myself, okay, so what would be different? And and the first thing that came to mind was that it had to be a girl. And then I thought, well, okay, if if I can make this sociopath have the qualities that are in this nonfiction book, 
and she has those qualities, what is the most vulnerable situation she would be in? And, and I, to me, that would be a teenager who is seven, eight months pregnant. That's pretty damn vulnerable. Yeah. And so anyway, that's how it started. And I, I just put her in the situation and I just started writing it. That's, so that's how I came up with it. So I, I want listeners to understand that because she has these, you know, psychopathic tendencies, you don't see that right away. You don't get that when you read her. She is a very, very uh, connectable character in your book. You, you get exactly what is going on with her and how smart she is. But you don't see that until much later in the book, correct? That's right. And so thank you, Pam. Um, so one of the things I did with her was I then took the science that I read about, the real facts about sociopaths, and I, and I twisted it into fiction. And I thought, okay, well, maybe there's a spectrum of, of folks like that who have that sort of brain composition. And maybe some of them can actually control emotions. Maybe it's not that they lack emotions so much. Maybe there's some folks who um, can choose to have emotions or choose not to have emotions at a granular level, right? Yes. So this character can choose to have love or not have love, can choose to have whatever, fear or not have fear, and so on. And so that's that's her. Now, in, in the sequel that's coming out, by Suspense Publishing in 2020, and it's called Viberry Grove. The same character is um, it's 18 years later, and she is now wow. at a point. In, yeah, she's now at a point in her life where she is in absolute control of all of her emotions. And in this book, I'll be interested to see what you think if you read it, Pam, because I I make her have I make her choose, or I wrote her to choose to not really feel emotions pretty much ever. And so it, so you might see that progression if you read Method 1533 and then Vibrary Growth second. I can't wait. And I'm so glad that John is publishing for you because he does a great job. And um, mm-hmm. so I'm really excited about that to, um, to read that. Because I was curious – about her since she is 17, 18 years old in this book. And so she's got this life ahead of her and she's gone through this traumatic event and come out of it. And I, you know, makes me wonder what happened to her character. So, so it should be very interesting to see her 18 years later. Now I want to talk to you about in the vines because this is a totally different book than your debut novel. So were you working in the vines when you changed it to method 1533? Uh, No, 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 not at all. Um, Oh, okay. In the vines, I started after uh, method 1533 and that one just came to me because I was driving along the coastline of Rye one day looking at all the mansions. I don't know if you've ever been there and Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm a, with the life of wealthy New England people and think that there's a lot of gothic, twisted stuff and content oh, and all that. I think there probably so is, too. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with the ones that live on Cape Cod. I want to know all about mm-hmm. them because mm-hmm. I'm sure there's, like, really crazy stuff going on behind those walls. 
that look so, you know, neat with their telescopes overlooking the cliffs and so on and so forth. So, so Mop, who is your, your main character, Mary Olivia Pentecost, Pentecost, mm-hmm. would, could you have even a more wealthy name than that? You just I, could not come up with a name any better than that. Oh, it's like you. it's like you're one of them, you know, Shannon. <laughs> well, I have been embedded in in such communities. I'm not an uber wealthy New England person myself, but I've I've certainly hung with some. So, yeah. Uh huh. It's a different. It's a different. It's a different set of. It's you know it's like the rich are anywhere and and yeah I, right right they, but, they are it's a different world. But New Englanders are you know when they park the car in the Harvard yard and put a quad <laughs> in the meter. <laughs> let's be serious. Now I know that because both my parents had those accents. You know they went to the bathroom and not the bathroom. It was right. I had an aunt, not an aunt. You know <laughs> so oh, yeah. so I could I could mock them. And they never lost it. I mean, my parents eloped when they were in their mid-20s and lived in Miami for the rest of their lives and never lost their accent. So um, my brothers and I would tease them mercilessly about it. And, you know, (laughs) if they were alive, we still would today. But um, so tell me where this came from, your own experience of of hobnobbing with the uber wealthy. And so this is really a fun book, too. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, this book is, God, I, I, I look back on this. It's a very dark book, and I think it's definitely the darkest that I've written. Even, even Gretchen isn't as dark, and Gretchen is on the line of thriller horror. Um, and I think it's the darkest because it's the most psychologically dark. I mean, we're dealing here with people who are very, very wealthy, but also sick. They've got, you know, aunt, the aunt. Auntie Liv, who's one of the main characters, has mental illness. Um, and so, you know, look, the book is about, uh, it, it's told in two different timelines from two points of views. And Auntie Liv is having a pretty torrid affair uh, with a doctor at a hospital she works at. And, um, you know, the wife finds out and of course there's all kinds of drama and trauma from all of that and there's a major fire that happens and so the book is about what happened on the night of the fire and why does auntie Liv have a woman locked up in her barn and who is she and mop has to sort of You see, here's the interesting thing. Those New Englanders, they want to hide their crazy way. Us Southerners like to walk it right out in the front yard. So, you know. (laughs) So, see, she's walking up her crazy in the barn. There you go. Uh, Now let's talk about Gretchen. Gretchen is the new release. You are getting stunningly wonderful amazing reviews on this book as a matter of fact i know our review staff went nuts for it and in the first day they posted the review on book review crew on facebook you had over 5000 organic likes for that particular book so you've definitely 
kind of rung the bell, so to speak, with this one. I know your books are psychological in nature, but, um, and as I told you in the green room, were it not me knowing you and knowing how you write, I would have never read it because horror scares the devil out of me. But, um, you know, I swallowed it down and I read your book and it was really, really very good. It will be the only horror book I will read this this year, but um, it was very fun. It was fun. So now a whole Thank new you. set of Thank circumstances you. here. This is your standalones are remarkably so remarkably different one from the other. There's I can't even say if there's a subgenre as Amazon claims there is for every book ever written. All I know is that these are psychological in nature that it's psychological fiction. I don't want to, I, I don't think you can be pigeonholed anywhere, Shannon. I love you. I'm like, seriously, I wish you could see me right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of like fanning myself because, no, honestly, man, that, that really, like I, I'm going to stumble over my words now because this is the one thing I have been trying so hard to do as an author is, resisting being pigeonholed into some super fine subgenre because yeah. I really do have so many ideas and I really don't want to be forced into writing just one kind. That's for me. That's look, there's other authors who sure. do and that's great. And I support that. But for me, hell, I even have in my mind and you can ask Emily Carpenter, another author, I've told her about it for years. I want to write a screenplay that's a comedy a mockumentary on conferences called Big Conference. So, anyway, my point being, I love that. I love that. Oh, I got, I, um, oh we should we should talk next time we're at a conference because I got some ideas. But oh yeah, anyway, for sure. I really appreciate the. Um, I really appreciate you saying that the standalones are are different from each other uh, because yeah. I, that's what I'm trying to do. So thank you. I mean, other than this, the, the, really, truly, I, and I am being serious, other than the superb writing, you know, there is, you can't compare one to the other and say, oh, these are all Shannon Kirk books. You really can't do that because they're so different. And so Gretchen comes along and here we are with Lucy, who's been on the run with her mother forever, as long as she can remember, doesn't know why. She just knows this is her lifestyle until years later, and they finally feel like they're in a place that they can stay, except what happens then? Thank you. Yes, so then they wind up in New Hampshire, and they are on a pretty rural spot, and their landlords live at the top of the hill in a big giant brick mansion. Gretchen is the 15-year-old daughter of a pianist and they're the landlords. And so they, um, yeah, it's mother and daughter. Lucy and her mother are on the run. They've been on the run for 13 years. They come to New Hampshire and they rent from Gretchen and her father and Gretchen and her father end up having their own really twisted secrets. Uh, They have literal secrets in the woods of New Hampshire and inside their brick house, we find out that Gretchen is obsessed with many, many things, including puzzles. So what the story is about, I was, I was explaining this to somebody the other day, the story is about the convergence of those two very distinct lives of secrets and, and what happens when you collide those. But at its base, 
what it's really, really about is about setting boundaries and respecting boundaries. Oof, I just got because I just got a chill on that because I had to do that to someone. I had to set a boundary, and um, it's really eerie when those boundaries are broken. And you, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so this is the way I looked at your book. Okay, I'm seeing Lucy balancing her puzzle and Gretchen balancing her puzzle, and they collide, and all those pieces go flying around together, and and that's kind of what I look at. It's this. Horrible, like you said, a convergence of stuff that comes together there, and but it's all scattered. It's so bizarre how this book plays out that I, I actually really did love it, even though it was creepy. And I'm never <laughs> going to New Hampshire again. I'm writing to them and saying I will not be having my New Hampshire experience there. <laughs> I'm going to Maine for that. <laughs> oh, well uh... – Sorry, but I am working currently on a book that is set in Maine, so I might ruin Maine I, for you, maybe. I can't do a, I can't have my Maine thing either. Jeez, Shannon, you're killing me. <laughs> Listen, tell me about writing as as. I mean, you do this so seriously, but it's not your main job. Would you like it to be someday? Because I know you're so good at what you do, and you really like your job too. But if you had to choose one over the other, which would you choose? Oh, hands down, writing. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, all I want to do is write. It's all I want to do is write. And, yeah. So, Do you think going to law school and writing briefs and all this other kind of nonsense has made your writing, your fiction writing, better or worse? Oh, um, gosh. I don't. Yeah. I, this one or this one? It's pretend like you're in an eye exam. This one or this one? <laughs> I think, you know what? I think that it must have because when you're writing, and I'm, a, I'm, um, liti- I'm in litigation, so there's a lot right. of brief writing and yep. writing for clients, you really have to get to the point, right? You don't get to have a lot of fat, and you have right. to be persuasive. Uh, now, obviously, legal writing is totally different from creative writing, but that that sort of editorial strictness that you must have when writing briefs, I think, has helped me a lot to cut my babies in yeah. novel yeah. writing. The yeah. other thing too is being a. Uh, I I used to do trials at my own at my old firm and and mm-hmm. and get up in court, federal court, et cetera, and have to make arguments and really. You really have to get to the nugget. The of meat it of it. Then you have right. to tell a story, right. and you have to be persuasive. Right. So, um, I'm not doing a good job being persuasive right now, answering you. But I do think that the law has absolutely helped in writing, creative writing. Yeah, I think it probably does too. Um, you've you've got to tell enough, have enough meat on the bone for it to be tasty, but you don't need to have all the sides there at the same time. You just want to have it the story told as succinctly as you can and as best you can. But if you put too much into it, you know, if you're too busy describing the blue sky versus, you know, talking about your characters or pushing the action forward, I think that's a loss. And I, I have such um I, I say this all the time, but it's really true. I have an embarrassment of riches in that I get to read whatever I want. I have books flooding in every single day from publishers. And I find that those wordy novels 
where someone is describing what my parking lot looks like, you know, of my condo as I'm looking outside. I'm thinking that doesn't, bo- it, it's irritating to me. M- move the words out of the way and get to the story and to tell me exactly what's going on. Do mm-hmm. you ever read your dialogue out loud after you write it? Oh, absolutely. And the reason for that is I hate dialogue. I hate reading dialogue. I hate writing dialogue. So when I have dialogue in an actual final book, that means I've read it a billion times out loud. I will fight so you, to keep yeah. dialogue out. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's so funny. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because it is a, it does push the book forward. It is, it's oh, a yeah. form of action in the story. You know, it's, it's the storytelling. Yeah. But um, I just wondered, because oftentimes that's another little speed bump for me. If a, a character is, two characters are speaking, I don't want you to say Shannon and Pam. I want to know the difference by the character's vocabulary, their, you know, their word choices, the tone of their voice, um, mm-hmm. everything. Do you know what I'm saying? I want to be yep. able to just read the lines and know exactly who it is that's speaking. And I think you do that best by reading it out loud. And also, I like to read books out loud. If there's a particularly good <laughs> passage, I like to read it out loud. I like the sound of it, and I, um, I think it resonates in a different part of your brain. You'll have to ask mm-hmm. your physicist husband, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it does. It, it sparks off different p- parts of your brain when you hear something. I guess that's why people like Audible so much. You know, the, mm-hmm. They like audiobooks. Um, yeah. I myself have never listened to one because I'd rather read it. And uh, you know, I put sticky notes in books so I can remember to ask questions when, when I'm talking to someone, particularly someone I don't know. But um, what's next on your list? You are you are finishing up Gretchen tour, I'm assuming, and interviews. And um, your next book is is it going to be the the companion to 1533? Mm-hmm. It will be. Yeah, yeah, that will be. That's uh, coming out next. That's called Viberry Grove. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I'm not sure if we've settled on a publication date quite yet, but I think early 2020. And then I'm currently working on a gothic-y thriller horror that really? I am, yep, call it, uh, I call it uh, The House of Peculiar Fears, and that is set also in New England, all over New England. Um, so, yeah, so that's what, what's going on. I'm sure the New England real estate people in the Chamber of Commerce loves you, if not, you know. <laughs> this weird weird lawyer writing all this crap about our <laughs> part of the country. We're, you know, <laughs> dear diary, today I'm going to destroy another New England town. <laughs> yes. Yep. Oh, Shannon, it's so good to talk to you. Tell everybody where they can find you on the web and in social media, please. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. You can find me. Uh, my website is shannonkirkbooks.com. I'm on Twitter at Shannon C. Kirk. I'm on Facebook at Shannon Kirk Books. And Instagram is also Shannon Kirk Books. Now, on Insta, do you post pictures of New England? You know, I haven't, but I will. I have a couple on there. A couple. <laughs> not, not enough, though. I, I want to see the, the mansions, you know, the New England mansions okay. that, that you've All been right. stalking. 
And, uh, you know, I'm going to go there and look. I don't do Instagram, but I'm going to go find your page. I'm going to go to your website and find it. So this is Shannon Kirk. She is an award-winning author. I didn't even have time to tell you all the awards that she's won. But trust me when I tell you her books are fabulous. I, I will read anything she writes, even if it's my name and address on an envelope. I love you dearly, darling. Good luck. And let's talk again soon, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much. This was fun. I'm so glad I got to talk to you, Shannon. Finally, not not in a conference, but on the show. Thank you so much for being with thank me. You. And I want to thank listeners everywhere, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>